this is John Deke, 25 years of the Very Young Composers, programming the New York Philharmonic, and we're continuing with a piece by Noah Jimenez called Caleb. This is scene 34, my family, our music festivals, and our church. One of the biggest and most intensely experienced reasons I combined my identification with children and my advocacy of them as artists were my own children. How inspiring it's been having my Alex, Nikki, Forrest, and Selena. I was by no means a natural, easy-adjusting parent at first. I suppose my own troubled early childhood and family experience, referred to back in scenes 2 and also 16, played a role in my unease and hesitation, but no excuses. When I realized with clarity what a miraculous blessing they were, I became not only devoted, but they changed my life. From the outset, each of them were as different from each other as could be imagined, yet they shared so much. We enjoyed telling stories, and I noticed that when I read to them stories out of a book, they, and sometimes I, would fall asleep. And though this was an important activity, when I made up or told by memory any story, that this had a much deeper and more lasting effect on them. Jackie's sister, Pam, would often have them make up sci-fi stories in which they played roles. That was amazing. The children's participation in the stories made the difference. Sometimes I sang a song to them about the phases of the moon that I made up. Baby moon with crescent head, sleepy now and soon to bed. When you're big and round and bright, you can stay up all the night. I certainly had a terrible voice, and furthermore was no Neil deGrasse Tyson, but I did enjoy joining astronomy science with bedtime stories. And of course, we always went camping and hiking and climbing as much as possible. As I've mentioned, how Jackie could care for them so completely and at the same time holding down her demanding job as cellist in the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra, including international tours, was beyond my imagination. To go into the intricacies of their individual development would certainly be fascinating, but beyond the scope of this book, and yet specific implications of how they influence the VYC work, I won't be able to avoid going ahead. Alex, as I mentioned back in scene 16, was born in 1973. In the mid-70s, I was on the faculty of the Aspen Music Festival, one of the oldest and most prestigious music festivals of the American West. I remember taking him out there each summer and doing hikes and climbs. One day, when he was three, we were walking around the outside of the big music tent, Alex slipped out of sight for a minute, and we heard the noise of lumber falling. Running back to find him, we asked if the lumber had fallen on him, and was he hurt? He smiled and quickly said, No, I'm fine, Dad. Later that afternoon, we took him on a bouncy, rugged jeep ride up a mountain to some historic destination, and he seemed unusually quiet and distracted. When we got back down, Carol touched his arm and he yelped with pain. 
We took him to the local hospital clinic where an x-ray showed that he had fractured his collarbone. That ability to withstand pain <laughs> seemed to run in my family, as Nikki, Forrest, and Selena all showed the same stoicism during the usual childhood accidents. I suppose the one most counterphobic, as the psychiatrist would say, that is attuned to risk-taking and pain-withstanding, is Forrest, who has become a professional climbing ranger, medical EMT specialist, and smoke jumper in those awful West Coast wildfires. Actually, the three of them are following careers in the medical field. Nikki, a nurse practitioner in Midtown, New York City, was at one of the heroic front lines during the COVID pandemic. Hmm. And Selena is a psychotherapist in Seattle. Alex also has extensive medical skills, as I said, so different from each other and yet sharing so much. Thinking back on the Aspen experience, I found once again, despite how much as a student I had enjoyed this festival amid the mountains, that later, as a faculty member, I felt restricted and unsuited. This, despite my love of my students and the prestige of being a festival artist, I did, in fact, quite enjoy the part of my duties relating to composing and performing. There, I felt freer and more firmly identified. I brought my composer friend Jim Burton to join me in a rather radical new music concert and also organized and performed as a host for the International Society of Bassists Conference there in 1976. And it's true, I had so many uplifting immersions in some great music, notably with James Levine, George Mester, Lillian Callier, and a transcending Bach, St. Matthew Passion with John Nelson. Still, the music festival I most firmly identified with and blossomed as a composer-performer, as I mentioned back in C19, was the Grand Teton Music Festival. I followed Jackie there in 1981, since she was already a member of that orchestra. We made fast friendships there and enjoyed the participatory nature of the music-making, and I felt a creative affinity with Ling Tung, the director, and his wife, Margot Walk. I felt particularly in love with the artistry of Zeta Ruga Suzuki and her husband Taro. Such an inspiration. During that entire decade, the festival must have performed some oh, two dozen works of mine, some of which were premieres. Joe Robinson, the Philharmonic oboist, was also a mover-shaker and a supporter of my work at that time. I would give annual concerts there in Walk Festival Hall with its marvelous acoustics. <laughs> they called the concert John Deke Night, the troubadour of the 1980s. The event quickly outgrew the usually sparsely attended new music concert format and became an annual sellout event, including the full orchestra, guest composers, and even members of the local climbing and ranch communities. I talked about that a bit in C back in scene 19. Anyway, one of my favorite moments was when, at one of those elite Jackson Hole barbecues attended by the powerful, I was invited to be part of the entertainment. I performed my signature bass solo, B.B. Wolf, with its humorous text in defense of wolves, written by my buddy Dobbs. 
In the audience were Governor Sullivan and a then-congressman named Dick Cheney. (laughs) I don't need to tell you that the wealthy ranchers attending hate nothing more than wolves. But the performance produced rounds of laughter, and Governor Sullivan got up and announced, We generally do not include politics at these events, but I must say that I've never been lobbied so eloquently as this. (laughs) Again, I was convinced that music needs to be in the world as well as in its own realm. Also in the world are summer schools and day camps. Every summer, we enrolled Nikki, Forrest, Selena in the Teton Science School, which had a marvelous education and fun program. But one summer, they also had a couple of weeks in a religious camp, which friends had recommended. It was run by a fundamentalist preacher named Reverend Don. Although the children enjoyed the games and activities, they were heavily indoctrinated into ethnic hatreds, homophobia, and denial of science. The science school is all wrong, Dad, I remember Forrest telling me. God created the Tetons in seven days. (sighs) To avoid further cognitive dissonance... (laughs) And to allow the kids to make up their own minds in a spiritual setting, Jackie and I searched for a church that we could all relate to. Through friends, we found ourselves attracted to a West Side church named St. Paul and St. Andrew, SPSA, in New York. I think we had all been on a spiritual journey at that time, and I found a particular resonance with the pastor Reverend Kay, who was a broad thinker and definitely in the world, and Emily Peck, associate pastor, who was a great advocate for the kids. Our children found many lasting friends there, and I in particular have remained active in that church to this day. Mm. 